Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Cuban. Out of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. And I'm going to continue in chapter 9. In fact, I'm going to cover the last few verses of chapter 9. Sort of, kind of, you'll understand that in a second. But we've been talking about giving. And as I've told you from the first time we started, this, this series freaks me out. Because I don't like to talk about giving. I, I'm of the mind of Paul when he's talking to the Corinthians. He, he says, talking to you about this seems superfluous seems unnecessary but the command that I've been given is to declare the entire truth to you and the entire truth is that we are to be givers there's two whole chapters in the letters to the Corinthians the second letter to Corinthians dedicated specifically to what a giver looks like why a giver gives and the heart that they should have and for me not to preach the whole counsel of the Word of God would, would do the Word of God an injustice. And so I, I don't say this just to say it. Angela will tell you I've, I've struggled with this and struggled with it for months because I knew it was coming. But I want you to know that not only are we called to be givers, not just financially, but in our talents and in our time, that God set aside two chapters in the Scripture so we'll know specifically what that looks like. Now, there's a lot of talk about giving, but there's two specific chapters, that 2 Corinthians 8 and 2 Corinthians 9, that talk about this. And those are what we've talked about up to this point. The gracious gift is the name of the series. Paul calls the gracious gift grace. That's what he's talking or giving. But like every gracious work, it's non-obligatory. I know you guys have heard me say this. I want to cover it all. Paul says that giving is a gracious work. And like every other work of grace, it's non-obligatory. That's why it's grace. Jesus didn't have to die for us, but in his mercy, he extended grace. He didn't have to. He could have recreated mankind. He could have destroyed us all and never created another human being. We are, we are hard-pressed to find where God needs us, except that He loves us. Amen? And so, it's a gracious work until we pray about it. You know, I gave you three weeks. I've asked you three weeks. We're talking today. Today's our um, Grow Pledge initiative weekend three weeks ago i passed out pledge cards and asked you to pray about what you would give today's that day there's a reason i asked you to pray about what you'd give though because if you give a million dollars with a bad heart you keep your million dollars you're not going to be blessed in it if you give five dollars with a bad heart same goes it's a condition of your heart so we talked about last week how or the week before, how it's a gracious work to give. Non-compulsory. 
until, as we learned last week, God, through prayer, purposes it in our hearts, that which we should give. Because when God purposes something in your heart, it no longer becomes a non-obligatory work. It becomes a, an obedience issue. Because that whatever God prepares in your heart to do, you're obligated to do. Or you're not going to be as blessed as you could be. I tell you that from experience. If I decided to stay in law enforcement and not get into ministry full time, I wouldn't be as blessed as I am today. But you know what I did? I worked in ministry as a non-compulsory work, a non-obligatory work, until God set it in my heart, purposed it in my heart to give my life to this task. And then once I realized I moved from non-compulsory to compulsory, once I realized that something that God was commanding me to do, to step outside of that would have put me in a place where I wouldn't have been blessed. The same is true for our giving. Y'all staring at me like a cow looking at a new fence. Have I said something crazy? I don't feel like I've said anything crazy yet. <laughs> it's early. What am I trying to tell you? We've talked about, up to this point, how to give. We're to give non-begrudgingly with a cheerful heart, out of abundance of joy, begging for an opportunity to give. Begging for an opportunity to give. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 8 says. They begged us for the opportunity to be part of this work. And I spent time talking about that. When was the last time we begged God in our prayer, God, give me an opportunity to sow financially or my time into somebody else's life? Please, Lord. Please, Lord. Please, Lord. I bet it's not as often as he would appreciate. So we non-begrudgingly, with a joyful heart, beg for the opportunity to give is how we give. And we give to those who proclaim God's word and for those in need for the sake of the gospel I'm going to share a statistic with you guys that I've shared with you before two thirds of our community doesn't know the Lord it's an intentional silence because I need that number to weigh on you the way it weighs on me and it's not just this community it's every community. We, by definition, and it's sad, by definition, live in a post-Christian America. Which means that there are less Christians than there are non-Christians in America for the first time in history. We've got to get the word to them. Why are we setting our hearts to this growth initiative because we got to get the word to them because people need to know the word of Jesus they need to hear the word of Jesus God's people need to be equipped in the house of God there'll be opportunities for Sunday school classes and connect groups and relationships and Pastor Leonard asked for a fellowship hall so we got a fellowship hall you know why we're getting a fellowship hall not so we can all just hang out and talk but so that we can grow together in the Lord as family do those things that one another God has called us to do. And so we do it because we know that God will be glorified in our doing it. 
but we can't do it on our own. I, if, if I could, I would. I would just write a check, be done with it, but I can't. But God didn't call me to do it. He called us to do it. People are like, you didn't ask me about it. Can I, I'm going to give you a secret. Y'all ready for this? God didn't call you to pastor his church. He called me to pastor his church. And I'm going to assume, since you're here and you've been here more than once, that you think that that's true. And if you think that that's true, then you believe that God's called me to lead this church and in leading this church, declare the path or the vision that God has gave, given us. Is everybody okay with that? Because I tell you, if you don't think I'm hearing from God, you're in the wrong place. You need to find somebody that's hearing from God. And I'm not, I'm not be at all being ugly there. I want you to know, I need you to be a place where you can hear from God. Or that you know that your pastor is hearing from God. But my whole idea here is I can't do it by myself. But God hasn't called me to do it by myself. When I first walked, when we first purchased the property, I brought the elders out there, and the elders and I was talking to them, and I said, so this will be here, and this will be over there, and this is going to happen across the street, and they're going to build this over there, and we're going to be in the middle of all this, and it's going to be such great opportunity for outreach just right here. And then we started walking around the property praying individually. And God told me, never ask me for what can be done in the natural. I challenge anyone listening to the sound of my voice that will tell you that God doesn't still speak to, his speak to his people. Because I didn't hear an audible voice, but just as clear as an audible voice in my spirit, don't ask me for the natural. Ask me for the only those things that can be done in the supernatural. Because anything done in the natural, I can accomplish on my own. And he wouldn't get the glory for it. That's why he uses the weak things, the base things. So that no one can brag, so that he can get the glory. Amen? What is this about? This is about God getting glory. Not just in our church, but to the two-thirds of our community that doesn't know the Lord. But I can't do it by myself. But God hasn't called me to do it by myself. I was here for two hours last night. I shared this with the first, first service, and I, I didn't intend to. But I'm going to tell you what God told me in my prayer last night. I came up here about 4 o'clock, stayed till about 6, because I was nervous. Is it okay if your pastor gets nervous from time to time? People, I heard a story one time, a guy talking about how, man, I look at this guy, and he's, he looks like a leader, man. He, he said he just, he's described as, he described this guy as a guy riding a lion. And everybody around him was all, man, look at him ride that lion. He's so courageous. And the whole time that guy's holding on to that lion going, oh, lion, just don't eat me. He's scared to death. It looks courageous to be courageous, but whoever's being courageous is scared to death, I promise you. I'm holding on to this tiger for all I got, hoping this tiger don't eat me, believing this tiger isn't going to eat me. And so I cry out to God, just as I expect you to cry out to God. Not just in your giving, but in your everyday prayer life. Because you can't accomplish this life on your own. And so here I was last night. 
me and myself. Got my earbuds in. I got my worship music on. I'm praying. I'm sure the people next door heard because a song came on that I like, and I started screaming, and I don't have the best voice. It's the reason I'm not on the worship team. But my whole point is I was, God, I can't do this by myself. Give me the confidence to do it. Let me, let me read you. This is the reason I keep a prayer journal. This one was gifted to me by John and Diane. So that I can go back in moments like this and read a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, what God spoke to me when I was nervous. He says, I caught myself asking God, God, show me that I'm the leader and pastor everyone tells me that I am so I can walk in confidence, so I can be assured of what I am doing. God's response to me, no. <laughs> if I were to show you that, your confidence would quickly become arrogance, and I'd have no use of you. Your place is to do as I told you. Don't be assured in what you are doing. Be assured in what I am doing. If you could do it without me, I would have never asked you to do it. My response, yes, Lord. Then build my trust in you. His response. And this is the part that brings me peace. You're part of the work I'm doing. God's still building trust in me. God trusts me enough to still want to build trust in me. You are part of the work I'm doing. Your trust will grow as your dependency grows. And the only response I can give to that was yes, Lord. I'm not trying to do this by myself. I can't. And I do hear people say, man, you're whack. We got a text message the other day from somebody that doesn't even go to our church says, you're this church's pastor. You're, you're this town's pastor. I go to a different church, but I tell you, seeing what your church does in this community and all this stuff, you're this you're this town's pastor. And although that humbles me, I ain't done yet. And when I say I'm not done yet, I'm not talking about I'm not done working. I'm not done being perfected yet. I'm still as jacked up as I ever was, just in different places. But God. Amen. Why do I give? I give because other people need to know the message that I heard in 2006. That Jesus Christ loves them. That someone sees them. That the mighty God of the universe desires to be in relationship with them. I give because God gives. This text that I'm going to read to you is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 14 and 15, just simply states this. While they also, by prayer on your behalf, yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. So he's saying they yearn because of the surpassing grace of God in you. And then he says this, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. That's one of Pastor Rick's favorite verses. It's beautiful. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What is this indescribable gift? It's the grace that's working in them. Who gives grace that was working in them? It was 
Jesus. Jesus is the indescribable gift. I know I just blew your mind with the simple stuff. But it's the simple stuff if we could grab a hold of it. Jesus is the indescribable gift. And He gave, therefore we should be givers. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For a child was born to us, a son will be given to us. Galatians 4, 4. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son. So He gave His Son. 1 John 4, 9 and 10. By this, the love of God was manifested, which means the love of God found place in us through His Son, Jesus, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. There is no life without Jesus. This is love. Not that we loved God. That messes me up. You know what that means? That means before we had an inkling in our head to love God, God loved us and sent us Jesus already. God prepared a way for when you finally came to yourself, when the Spirit called on you and you recognized the truth, that road would already be made straight for you. This is not, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sin. Propitiation is a big word for appeasement. He sent His Son, Jesus, to appease the wrath of God, which we were subject to if it had not been for the atoning work of Christ Jesus. Man, let me tell you, that is an indescribable gift that Jesus Christ loves us enough to die on a cross, to humble himself, come out of heaven, perform the work that he performed. For what purpose? So that we could be with him forever. Jesus is indescribable. And he's indescribable in his love. His motivation is love. I want you to hear me say that again. God's motivation for loving you is love. That's it. God's motivation for sending Jesus Christ to you is love. That's it. Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross for love. That was it. Jesus Christ had his beard plucked out for love. That was it. Jesus Christ took 39 stripes on his back for love. That's it. Jesus Christ spilled his own blood for love. That's it. Jesus went up against a whole Roman cohort, allowed himself to be spat upon, crucified, blasphemed, made a mockery of, because he loved you. He gave everything so that you could have him. Whoa, what? Right? That's, that's tweetable right there, man. <laughs> he gave everything so you could have him. His motivation is love. Jesus Christ is part of the, tri, the, the deity, the, the triune Godhead, which means that anything said of God is also true of Jesus. And in 1 John 4, 8, he says, The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. For God is love. Everybody repeat after me. God is is love. That doesn't mean God's loving. That means God is love. Let me tell you, I hear people say all the time, they'll say, they'll say something along the lines of this. They'll, 
A loving guy would never do that. A loving guy would never blank, and then they would insert their opinion in this blank. Let me tell you, if the word contradicts your fill-in-the-blank, then it's your definition of love that's wrong, not his. Because he loves perfectly. Why do the things that happen around us happen around us? I don't know. But I do know that sometimes i got to reframe my understanding of love. I have, to, I have to reconsider what I consider love because God, through Christ Jesus, demonstrated love in a way that I can't comprehend. Just because I can't comprehend it doesn't mean it's not true. Matter of fact, my finite mind, the probability that I can't understand it is a good reason to recognize that it's probably God and I don't have the ability to understand it, except that God, through His Holy Spirit, gives us wisdom and revelation. But He is love. He is love. I'm going to say it again and again and again and again, that God loves. God loves you. God loves everyone. You have never met anyone in your entire life that Jesus Christ didn't die to save. Y'all, Pastor Jim, you, you lost your mind a little bit. And I'll be all, yes, I have. But it doesn't make it any less true. Muslims, Jesus died for every Muslim ever walked the face of the earth. Homosexuals, Jesus died for every homosexual that ever walked the earth. Sinner of any kind. The poor, the poverty-stricken, the homeless, Jesus loves them. We need to be a church. We need to build a church that recognizes it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you act like. It doesn't matter what you smell like. When you come in here, you're going to know about Jesus because Jesus is going to be found here because life is going to happen here because everything that Jesus did, he did for love. Everything that we do, we must do for love. Jesus is love. Do y'all feel what I'm picking? Y'all picking up what I'm laying down here? I'm trying to keep the, the message very simple today. That he did everything he did for a single reason. Because he loves you. The Bible's full of examples of the love of Christ. Motivated by love, Jesus cast demons out of Mary Magdalene. Motivated by love, Jesus cast demons out of the demoniac. Motivated by love, Jesus saved the woman at the well. I've got several more examples, and I might get to them, I might not. But I, I'm going to stop at this three for a reason, because God didn't just love these weirdos. He gave them a ministry. What? Did you hear what I just said? Y'all know the demoniac story, right? Like, people were so freaked out by this dude, they chained him to a wall outside of town in a cemetery. Y'all know who I'm talking about? Jesus made the trip to where he was solely to meet him where he was. Freed him of the demon that was in him, demons that were in him, got back in his boat and was leaving. And the demoniac said, please, let me go with you. And Jesus said, no. Oh, that's unloving. Surely Jesus want to spend time with the guy. No, Jesus wanted him to tell other about it, tell other people about him, so 
so that they could spend time with Jesus. So he says, no, go to the Decapolis, the ten cities. Tell them what happened here. Mary Magdalene was given a ministry. She ministered to Jesus, having been full of demons. God gives ministry to these people. The woman at the well, go tell everyone. What? You know I've been married, right? You know I've been married a couple times, maybe five times. Maybe the guy I'm living with right now ain't my husband. Yes. Your sins have been forgiven you. You know why? Because I'm a God that loves. And because you are repentant. And because when I love you and you are repentant, I will set you free. Ooh. Man, that's so cool. Motivated by love, Jesus healed the sick and the crippled. Killed the ten lepers. Replace the ear of the guard. That one messes me up. Jesus, fully man, fully guy, knows what's about to happen to him. He's had this plan in his head since the beginning of time, since the foundations of the earth. And this guy comes to arrest him. Peter's being all Petery. He's all. Not today. And instead of being grateful, Jesus said, no, we're not going to have that today. And puts the guy's ear back on and shows love to him. When was the last time somebody did something ugly to you and you decided instead of saying something ugly back or retaliating, you replaced their ear and said, it's okay, I love you. You don't know this, but I'm going to the cross in the morning. I'm taking that beating. Not for the healing of your ear, but for the healing of your soul. This is the God that we serve. Motivated by love, he gives. And he did it for all of us. His love is perfect. And in his love, he gave. And if we are to be as he is, which is what the word of God says, then we should be givers too. I'm not collecting your money. I'm not getting a pay raise. I'm going to tell you guys something because I, I want to be completely transparent with you. We've been on the ground for five and a half years. And our board is very gracious to me. And they've offered me a raise every year. And I've turned it down every year. Because I told them there'll be a time when this will need to be done. And the church needs to be able to have as much of its money as it can to accomplish the greater goal. I don't tell you that to say, look at me. I'm telling you that to say... I understand that God's trying to do a work in this community and I'm willing to sacrifice for it. Are you willing to sacrifice for it? Is your motivation love? And does that love mirror the love that Jesus has? Because it should. So I'm, I'm a giver. Sometimes to my own demise, my wife will tell you, she said, we can never win the lottery. You give all our money away. For 
probably so. And I'm going to ask you to give. There's a card that I passed out three weeks ago. And you'll pardon me if I don't put one in the box, but I put my pledge in this morning at the 8.30 service. But I passed out a pledge like this three weeks ago, and I asked you to pray over it because I wanted you to pray for whatever God purposed in your heart to give. Some of you have a pledge. Some of you have a one-time gift. Some of you guys, whatever it is you're doing, we're just asking for pledges today. And this information, it's a, it's a six-month pledge, however much weekly for 24 weeks, however much monthly for six months, however much other for however much. So if it's a single thing or you have to give bi-weekly or whatever it is you're planning on doing, there's even a place down here if you have non-monetary something that you want to donate to the church, the church can sell so that we can then take that money and put it towards the building. The description of what that is. But regardless of how you fill this out, if you could put the total, if you haven't already, on this total line. You're not obligated to, to this pledge card in any illegal way. I want to tell you that because I know that freaks some people out. Last service I said, just call the church and if something happens and, and we're okay. But I'm going to ask instead that you call Diane at the church. I want to be very specific. Minus praying over these. I'll never know what you gave. It's not my place to know what you gave. It's my place to lead you in giving. So I ask that you give. Many of you don't write checks anymore. I get it. Well, I don't get it because I'm not 30 or under. But I found out that like 30-something percent of our church texts to give or goes on our website. So our text to give is up here. If you'll just select building fund from the drop box, you can do a one-time donation or you can do a recurring donation for the entire six months. It's completely up to you.